everyone, David here. Welcome to episode 61 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On today's episode, I am talking all things real estate investing with Gabe Peterson. Gabe is a real estate entrepreneur who focuses on long-term residential rentals and investing in mobile home parks. He's also a podcaster and you can check out his podcast at the Real Estate Investing Club and Pursuing Greatness. Uh, If you are new to investing, new to real estate investing, then I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. This is primarily US-based, but for anyone in any other market, I think a lot of the principles also apply. So I hope you enjoy this. If you do, as always, please remember to share this with your friends, uh, follow, like, subscribe, um, help us to reach more people. Uh, With that, let's get on with the show. Have you ever questioned why it is that some people seem to have everything they could ever wish for? Health, wealth, love and happiness, but others seem to lack all of these things. Why is it the small minority manage to achieve greatness, but the vast majority fail to reach even beyond mediocrity? What are this small minority doing differently to everybody else? It can't just be down to circumstance, billionaires rise out of poverty. Those questions have been in my head my whole life. And a couple of years ago, I decided to stop wondering and start searching for the answers so that I could help more people achieve greatness in their own lives. So join me and follow along as I uncover the secrets of the minority that the majority aren't taught so that you can apply them to your own life to achieve your own greatness and live the life you want and deserve. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Gabe, welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Thank you very much for giving up your time to come and speak with me today. Uh, how's things with you? Absolutely, David. Thank you for having me here. Um, things are great. I'm over here in Seattle. Uh, it's you know it's a hop, skip, and a jump away from London, but uh, I think we have a similar climate to you guys. So we're each we're each familiar with those clouds and the rain. Yeah, it's uh, it's very damp and grey and. Uh, getting dark already as we speak right now exactly so we're going to talk uh, all things uh, real estate and u.s market real estate um today and for anyone who's watching this obviously give the game away because it's uh, written behind you um <laughs> be good to really get an idea of kind of what was your what was your starting point into into real estate um and then we'll kind of touch on you know, what's the, what, if you were going to do start all over again, I guess would be the best phrase. How, if you were going to start all over again, what would you do? Um, and what would you, what would be different to what you've done this time around? Gotcha. I'm, I'm just writing that down because there's multiple questions there. Start yes. all over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I'm sure with most guests that you found on the show, my, my story was not linear at all. I didn't like, I didn't graduate with anything related to real estate or finance. In fact, I graduated with a philosophy degree and I was going to go to law school, but I didn't mind went to law school actually. And I shadowed some lawyers and I was like, damn, I do not want to do this. This is not my fun. <laughs> and so never appealed um, to me, I have to be honest. What's that? 
it's never appealed to me. Uh, the, the idea of law is too, is too dry and too much reading on my part. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I uh, nothing to do with real estate. So I graduated and I um, had no idea what I was going to do because I, I, I decided after college that I wasn't going to go to law after, you know, working with some lawyers and just kind of seeing what the what the life was like. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, I was bartending, uh, and I was looking for my next gig. Um, and I ended up going, a friend of mine worked at a big, uh, well, Accenture, it's global, global firm, consulting firm. Um, so I went and did that and I did consulting for seven years, but I, I just could not like it. Like I really wanted to like it. I liked the idea of it, but I, I just could not like it. And I, uh, I didn't like the corporate life. I didn't really ha like not having control over my time or over their, the direction of my work. Um, I, you know, the team was really the only thing that was keeping me in the corporate world. I liked the people that I was working with, but I just couldn't like corporate, um, even though it paid well. And so after seven, seven or eight years, um, well, it was probably six years into it. I started looking, I decided like, I need to get out of this. I need to find another route something else that, you know, some other way to make money because this is not the answer. Um, so I just, I started looking for ways to make money and, and to start a business. And then that was, a, that opened a whole different door to all these different things that I did. Uh, I was that guy that was like, you know, swiping through my feed and the, those ads would come up like, oh, start an e-commerce business, start a agency. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And actually I did it. I started, uh, I actually started six e-commerce stores was the first businesses, you know, business series that I made. And a few of them were pretty successful. They were doing, you know, 20 to 30,000 a month. Um, That's decent. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, the margins in, I was doing drop shipping. So the margins were pretty, pretty slim. Um, but it was very like, I was making my own money, but I was very chained to the desk and I, I couldn't figure out how to, um, kind of get out of that route and get out of the being chained to the desk and always having to work on the computer and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't really like e-commerce. So I looked for another, another app, you know, option, another Avenue. Um, and I'd gotten, you know, in the process of doing e-commerce, you, you learn how to, uh, run ads and do online marketing and all that kind of stuff. So I got pretty good at running Google ads and Facebook ads. Um, and I, you know, I was probably a year or two into e-commerce and I was like, all right, I, you know, I got to make another pivot. This is not the answer. Um, another ad passed my, you know, passed, you know, scrolled through my feed, said, start an agency. And I said, okay, that sounds better. Cause then I'm interacting with people. Um, and so <laughs> I started an agency. So I, that's the next business that I did. Um, I got a few clients, uh, but again, it was, I, I think, I think the problem was I didn't, I, I thought of it as more of a, a freelance, like I'm going to go do work for people versus create a business. Mm -hmm. And so I had a few clients, but I was just overwhelmed with work and I hated it. Um, but around that time, I, a friend of mine came to me and he was like, do you want to flip a house? And I was like, you know, I'd seen HGTV. I was like, let's do this. That sounds, that sounds awesome. So I, I flipped the house with him and I, I loved it. I, it was like a physical thing that I could deal with. It was, you know, a actual building that was mm. shitty and then we made it look nice. And then we sold it and we made money and we made a decent amount of money. I think the first flip was, uh, 84,000, which was great. Nice. And so, how, long, how long did that first flip take? Uh, probably six months pretty good huh 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's decent. Yeah, um, I mean, we made a lot of mistakes, but uh, it was <laughs> it was our first flip. Back to so. one, your first one, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that first flip kind of solidified it for me. I, I realized that I really liked that, and so I just I kind of shifted focus and I put all my attention on real estate. Um, luckily, I had you know I had the digital marketing skills pretty honed in at this point, and so I got good at. Uh, uh, generating off-market leads for for um, other investors. So I started wholesaling, um, I flipped more houses, and then I got into uh, rentals, uh, multifamily rentals. I mean, I'm kind of like glossing over details here, but I just, from that point, I just went into the different, uh, the different ways that you can make money on real, in real estate. Um, and now me and my partners were, we uh, um, buy and, and hold, uh, um, RV, uh, mobile home and RV parks here in Washington state. So we're just closing on our second park. Um, well, almost our third park soon. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride, but I'm very glad I found real estate. It's, it's got all the elements that I'm looking for. And so I love it. So talk us a bit about that, that journey from flipping and, and through the different kind of the different models different methods i guess different strategies that you can use within real estate um to start generating income and, and what it and how you kind of progressed through those and what it was that kind of made you move from how long did you how long did you do flipping did you just do flips to begin with and then progress on to holding yeah, I mean that's a, that's what I love about real estate is that there there's so many ways to do it. There are legitimate business models, like many legitimate business models within real estate. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I mean, most people get started like flipping a house, like I did, because they see HGTV. It's something that makes sense. It's like, yeah, here's this house. I'm gonna make it good, and then I'm gonna sell it, and I'm gonna make money. So that's how most people get in. But there are um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Buying and holding is, you know, what we're at now. It's not, mm -hmm. I got started with that first flip, but then I went really hardcore into, um, wholesaling, which a lot of people aren't familiar with. And, uh, it's what I like a lot for people who, who aren't, who don't have a lot of capital to, to invest. Um, because a lot of people think, you know, they hear real estate, they're like, you need hundreds of thousands of dollars to be successful in real estate. Like, I, I don't have any money, I can't do it. But that's not true. Um, there is ways to make active income in real estate without having, without having a lot of money to begin with. I mean, you do need a little bit of money, but you don't need, you know, hundreds of thousands, even tens of thousands of dollars to be successful. Um, wholesaling is essentially marketing for a property. So I put up an ad, um, it, it can even be a little, you know, um, bandit sign on the side of the road that says, I'll buy your house for cash. You put that ad up, people call you, they're like, Hey, I have this crappy house that has a hole in the roof. It has a, you know, the sink's broken, all this stuff's wrong with it. Um, will you buy it from me? You're like, okay, great. You look up, you know, what it's worth after, after repairing it. So it's worth 200,000 after repairing it. You say, I'll buy it for, let's say 120,000. Um, there's going to be $20,000 of repairs. Now it's 140. And now you, you get it under contract for 140,000. And then you go find an, another investor who's willing to buy that contract for you for 145,000. And then you take the difference between that 140 and 145, so $5,000. Um, so it's really, it's a great way to get involved if you don't have a lot of capital. Um, and it's really just marketing and then getting things under contract and reassigning that contract to somebody else. And so it gets you familiar with the process. It, it can be very, very lucrative. Um, if you build your, your business model around this, 
And, uh, and I mean, real estate in, a, in essence, if you really want to make money in real estate, the, it all starts from generating off-market leads. It starts from finding the deals. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great way. Wholesaling is the next thing that I did. And that's uh, what I recommend a lot of people do who don't have a lot of uh, capital to, to get started with. And that's what you, that's what you then use to build up the, the capital pot to, what did you do? What did you do once you started to build up a, a, a capital mass? Yeah. So then, I mean, so once you get into real estate, you know, it starts expanding, your world starts expanding, you start learning new things and all these, it's just like any other, you know, business that you get into it, you just realize the different options available. Um, and so now, I mean, once you get kind of the snowball rolling and the cash flow starts piling up, um, it's easier to take on properties. Uh, but I, you know, we've, I, we've been pretty heavily involved in seller financing, um, which is another great way to get properties for next to nothing. Um, so it, it, if you're not familiar with seller financing, basically you just go to a property owner and you say, Hey, I can give you this much for the property. If you finance it, you act as the bank. Um, and then you can negotiate the terms. You can negotiate the down payment, um, everything. You can even get it to the point where it's like, you don't pay, put anything down and they finance the entire thing many people aren't going to be you know, willing to do that, but it is an, it, it is an option um, out there. In fact, we had this, uh, the last mobile home we bought, mobile home park we bought, we uh, put, um, I think it was, ended up to be like 7% down, which is crazy in the commercial world. It's a commercial asset. Mm -hmm. um, so you, solid financing really allows you to, to be creative with your acquisitions. Um, I feel like I kind of went on a tangent there because I forgot your original question. Give us, a, but... give, us a, give us a working example of what that. So if someone's listening to that, because um, we have similar kind of, I think we in the U in the UK we tend to call it kind of um, assisted sale, um, okay. and that's partnering with 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 the with the seller or the vendor. So, but the, for for your market, talk about let's give an, uh, a practical example of how that that process works for anyone who doesn't quite understand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this, uh, so, uh, I'll just give you this example. Um, so I was marketing, we were mark doing online marketing for mobile home parks. Uh, we have a website, um, and then I was running Google ads. This park owner went to the website, put in his lead. Um, I called him, I was like, Hey, you know, we're, we're very interested in buying your park. Um, and I asked, are you interested or willing to do seller financing? And he said, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Um, which means that the, the owner, the seller would be, is, will carry the note. Um, so instead of having to go to a bank and apply for a bank loan, he's, he is the bank. Um, and so we negotiated great finance or terms. It was uh, 3.25% interest. Um, and then it was 90,000 down. I can't remember what percentage that was, but really low, um, to the, compared to the volume, the actual, um, you know, value of the property, it was, it was pretty low. And it was, uh, you know, on acquisition, it was a 14 cap. Um, and so it was a, a great, great asset to buy. Um, so we, we, we got it under contract. We closed with a note and a deed of trust or a promissory note and a deed of trust. Um, and now we, you know, we put $90,000 down. So we gave him 90,000 and he financed the rest. And so we're, we're paying him a, a, a monthly payment of, um, I can't remember how much it is, but a monthly payment. And he gets interest payments and it lasts, it's a balloon payment. So we only do this for five years and then the note comes due and we pay the, the remainder. Um, but at that point we, we we're confident that we're going to be able to refinance the, uh, the loan and pull out all the equity. So 
nice so as i think um we, we kind of call it an option contract as well is is one of the terms we use over here for that example so you're effectively agreeing a price now and it comes comes it comes due in the future but with terms attached which obviously your terms are to to pay him on a monthly basis a certain amount a bit like buying a car really on on a, a contract purchase right yeah yeah exactly so what what other tactics have you then in, uh, have you employed as well so um i mean seller financing you can get pretty creative with there's different ways to do it um that's just really the acquisition side of things like how how you finance the deal mm-hmm. um i mean financing i've done hard money loans i've done conventional loans i've done um seller finance loans private loans so there's different ways to finance the deal i like to break down real estate into um finding the lead so finding finding the deal and then uh acquiring it. So financing it, you know, getting it under contract and then stabilizing it um, and then exiting it. And so those are, that's kind of how I break it down into four different um, buckets. And there's different ways to do each one. And there's not, you can think of wholesaling as a strategy, but when, when you come down to creating a, a business in real estate, it's, you're not ever doing one exit strategy. You look at a lead and then you decide, okay, what am I going to do with this lead? I'm gonna, am I going to wholesale it to somebody else? Am I going to put it on the retail market? Maybe um, refer it to an agent. Am I going to flip it? Am I going to hold, hold it for X amount of years, burr it, you know, refinance it? So there's different ways you do it. And it all starts with generating the lead, finding the lead, doing your due diligence, financing it, and then, uh, and then stabilizing it if you decide not to wholesale it. And do you operate within a specific geography? Uh, for it depends on the asset class. Right. Um, so for single family, uh, I only do um, near me, so Seattle, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because I'm not. I, I kind of want uh, economies of scale, and so I want larger asset classes at this point. Um, and single family still works very well in markets that are very high. Um, there's a lot of value there. And so Seattle is kind of, in my opinion, overpriced market, but um, it's just very, it's very expensive to buy a house here. And so if I, I can generate leads in Seattle and then wholesale those leads for a decent amount, because you know the value of the house is $700,000 and it's mm-hmm. easy to, to find that margin in there. Um, now, if you want to rent a house, you know, buy a rental in Seattle, that is near impossible because you're not, the, the rents are not in line with the $700,000 purchase price. So. <laughs> this is the challenge, isn't it? <laughs> it's the break point so, where suddenly it's, it really is the lower end, the lower end value houses and properties that really deliver the best rate of return because, you know, people are still going to pay. I don't know what rentals are like over there, but I've given an example here. You know, a family is still likely to pay seven, eight hundred pounds a month for us for in, in an area where it's quite cheap. Versus a similar house won't be that much more in a more expen more expensive area. The rents are not that wildly different across geography, and I assume it's probably a, a similar story over there. Yep. Yeah, and that's why I like so I'm buying a multifamily out in Cleveland, Ohio, um, which is in the middle of the United States, mm-hmm. and that property cash flows very well because the 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 house values are much lower, 
um, but the rents aren't that much lower. And so the cash flow is, is much higher. Um, so it depends on the market, you know, what strategy you use and really it depends, just depends on the deal. But, um, yeah. So if you were, you know, let's say I come to you and I, and I'm, I'm completely new. I'm, I'm like you were a few years back. And I think real estate seems like something for me, but I've got no experience. Where would you tell me to start? Um, always, I always say, you know, you got to start with a little bit of education, but not too much. Um, there is a fine line between getting, you know, getting stuck in education and just, you know, reading books and listening to podcasts and, you know, buying courses and all that stuff and then just taking action. And so get enough information to where you understand the gist of it and you know what the first few steps are, and then just take those steps over and over again. Um, until you start to get results, because once those results start coming in, then it, your brain will just kick in and it'll be like, okay. And then it'll just start working and trying to figure out solutions to, you know, bigger and be better things. Um, so I say, just start with a little bit of education. We actually, uh, I have an ebook on sale on the, on, uh, the real estate investing club.com that kind of goes through the process. We also sell a course on there. That's uh, fairly inexpensive compared to other courses. Um, so something like that's a good option. There's also completely free options on YouTube that you can check out. Um, podcasts, even my podcast, The Real Estate Investing Club. It all gives you kind of just a framework to work with and then get started, you know, buy your first asset, start marketing for properties, really just get out there and do things because uh, that's where you're going to, most of your learning is going to take place. Mm -hmm. And if you so say I'm starting with very little, uh, well, I assume you'd probably suggest that starting the process with, with wholesaling. Yeah. With, well, it doesn't have to be wholesaling. If you can negotiate seller financing with someone, you could, right. uh, you can buy a property um, with very little down, but yes, start the process by marketing for properties, by analyzing properties, by looking for properties. You don't have to market like we do with direct mail, um, you know, digital marketing, things like that. You can just go online Mm -hmm. And even on, you know, I don't know what, what kind of apps you guys use over there, but we use Zillow, um, here and you can just look in your market and find properties that are underpriced. Um, even if they're overpriced, you can offer somebody anything. If somebody has a property listed at the million, you can write an offer for $10,000. It's that <laughs> they is an say no, can't they? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they so, may, not, may not ask, listen to you again, but they'll only say no. <laughs> exactly. There's, yeah. There's a, there's nothing to lose really. And so, and you never know, that's how we got this property is, you know, the, a lot of the, the best properties we have, we, did our due diligence. We said, okay, this is what we're willing to pay for this at this property based on the condition that we found. And it's usually not in line with what the seller wants, mm -hmm. but the market really does speak and everybody else is looking at the same thing. So, you know, they'll probably come back to you and be like, okay, you know, that, that price is fine. It's not what I want, but it's, it's what I'll accept. And so just, just start putting offers out there. Um, you don't have to have a lot of money. You can do it on Zillow. Uh, the best deals are going to come from off market marketing, but, um, on market works as well it's it's um it's getting to un understand the the seller's position and, and what they what they need to achieve right because if you know what they need to achieve you can put an offer forward you can then come up with the offer structure at least that meets their their needs because if they need to move quickly then you can come up with a solution that's, that enables them to do that if they're not in a major hurry, then you're going to need a different approach because the 
I'm going to offer you way below market value and cash. They're going to say, well, I can sit and, and hold out. So it's a different tactic for depending, it's really getting to know what the seller needs to achieve, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, that. I'll, just to that point, a lot of times, especially in the single family market, um, people do need to sell, like they legitimately, they need to get out of their property for whatever reason. It's amazing the different reasons people have in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, sometimes they'll just, they will take, you know, a small cash sum if they, if they have high equity and you just say, Hey, we'll sell our finance, this, this property with you. If you give us $10,000 mm-hmm. or if we pay you $10,000, we'll give you 10,000 to move. You'll be able to find another place somewhere else. Um, and then the rest will be seller financed and they'll be like, okay, I just need out of this situation. So that sounds great. Um, and it's a win-win because they get interest on their money and you get a, a property for very cheap. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, quite often those, those scenarios can be, you know, someone needs, someone's relocating for, for work and that kind of thing where they need to move quick, but maybe it's not so financially pressured that they need to get the cash. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly any any um so i think one of the one of the things i hear in there is you know obviously finding off market which makes absolute sense and and building up some of the skills so like you say you don't necessarily have to do direct mail or or digital marketing initially but as you progress it probably pays to start to develop some of those skills so that you broaden your reach because you know to begin with you can go around the streets you can put you can put a flyer together and post it through through the letterbox, but through the mailboxes, but it's going to take, there's only, you know, you're going to, you'll cover your area fairly quickly. And then <laughs> you're going to keep going back every other week saying, please sell your house. So you need to be able to broaden your reach and broaden the message that you're using. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, as I said, like you just got to get started, find something that works for you and just start taking action. But once, you know, once you start to get results and you, you start to build a bona fide business, then yeah, you're going to, you're going to really want a, a method of generating leads that is, you know, dependable and that is scalable. Um, even networking is a great way to get, you know, good leads. And that's just going to like uh, real estate investing meetup groups or, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, you do, eventually you will want some really solid way to to generate leads but to to begin with just you know go out there get started put some put some flyers out there maybe post something on craigslist or or uh, start going on zillow and offering on, on properties on there and expect that it's not like going to the shop and buying stuff not every sale works out in the end right oh so, man no <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be prepared all. you need to you need to build that need to get the, the the steady flow of leads coming through because it's not like oh there's one and that's going to go through it's more likely if it's anything if it's like that and if over there is anything like over here then probably about 60 percent of them <laughs> fall apart at some point somewhere along the oh way. man higher than that for sure <laughs> yeah our uh, for um so direct mail is one channel that we use and our conversion rate from from mailer to somebody actually calling us is between one and 2%. So it's really, really low. Like we'll send, you know, a hundred mailers and get, you know, one or two calls. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's definitely a volume game. Yeah. What, um, so is there any pitfalls to look out for? So, you know, talk about kind of, you know, some of the uh, high level view of some of the tactics and if anyone wants to learn more then I recommend that they get in contact with you to, to learn more detail. 
but are there any kind of uh things to watch out for pitfalls to try and avoid that you don't walk into the into a into a disaster that you can you could see coming yeah yeah for sure don't get um emotionally involved before you purchase the property even after you purchase the property um it's easy to want something and then disregard the numbers um and saying oh you know i'm the market's gonna make up for for this um but don't ever do that because it's going to work yeah Uh, you have to, you have to do your due diligence and stay true to the numbers because the numbers, you know, they're not going to lie. Um, and your emotions can often lie to you based on what, what you really want. So what's been your biggest, what do you think has been the greatest lesson that you've learned on your in real estate investing journey? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> uh I mean, there's a, there's a lot of them community. I mean, when you get to a, a when you start building your business and you're at a little bit higher of a level, um, communication is really the biggest lesson. Like you need to have open communication with your team, with the sellers, with, with your financers, with buyers, um, all of them, like communication is super important. Um, when I was just starting out, I mean, it's, it really is, you have to trust the numbers and do your due diligence correctly. Um, we got, I mean, the, one of the first flips we did, um, we, I got lucky. We bought the property. I got lucky because I live in Seattle. So this wouldn't have worked in a different market. Seattle over the past 10 years has been appreci- appreciating like crazy. And so we, I bought this property for 85,000. Um, and then, and my, my rehab numbers, I really wanted the property because I was new and I just wanted to flip something. And so I, I did two stupid things. The first one was I told the seller um, he was another investor who was, you know, kind of a seedy guy. And he, I said, okay. Um, well, originally I said 85 or 85,000. And he said, no, 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 I want 115. And I said, and I looked at my numbers and I was like, no, that doesn't work. And so he said, okay, I'll give you 85. Um, if you give me half of the profit at the end. And I just wanted it so bad. And I was just like, okay, fine. Um, so I got it for 85 and then my, I think my, my rehab budget was 40,000. Um, and I, the second screw up that I did was I didn't hire a professional inspector to go actually inspect the property before I bought it. I just did my own, my own inspection. Um, and you know, by doing that, I I never got under the house, you know, crawled the house to understand what was down there. Um, and so there were, I think 40,000 was what I budgeted and it ended up being 65 or 70,000, I think it was like 69,000 was, uh, was the, the final rehab amount. So we were over budget. Um, I said, I got lucky because Seattle had appreciated in the time that we owned it. We owned it for eight months. Seattle had appreciated already. And so we (laughs) sold it for, for a good amount. Um, but I mean, in the end, it still wasn't that good. I mean, we sold it for, uh, third, I think we made $30,000 in profit. Um, which over a six month period for the amount of work that goes into it is it sounds 30,000 sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made $30,000 in profit and then we had to give them half. And I was like, Oh, Jesus Ouch. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't, it wasn't a total loss, but it was, it was a good lesson in trust the numbers and don't, you know, don't deviate from that. Um, give yourself a little bit of a cushion, especially if you're doing flips. Um, and if you do want to do, if you like HGTV and those kind of shows and you want to do flips, I mean, more power to you. Flips are 
it is a business. It is like a, uh, you, you have to be actively involved all the time. It's not something passive. Um, and so just know that when you go into it, it's not, it will stress you out if it's, if you have another job on top of it. So, um, just, yeah, a lot, a lot of lessons learned, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a good experience going through. And, and on that, on that subject, you talked kind of at the beginning around your, the driver behind you ending up in, in, in real estate was trying to find something where you could earn money but you weren't chained to a desk and it wasn't consuming all of your time where where are you at now what does what does life look like for you how 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 was that in terms of the lifestyle design that you were looking for yeah no i i am i mean in terms of how i'm utilizing my day it's it's pretty on par with what i was going for um so real estate is much much more people involved than e-commerce, um, or even, uh, I mean, when you get to an agency, it could be more people involved. If you start building a business, I never got there, but, um, real estate really is what I want. I make my own schedule. Um, it's mostly at this point, you know, dealing with contractors, dealing with property managers. Um, and so it's, it's heavily people involved with a little bit of analysis, you know, looking at deals, um, running our marketing, that kind of thing. So, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah, we're, we're making my own schedule and uh, it has the elements that I was looking for in the beginning. And nice. I mean, the benefit, real estate, I, in my course, the marketing that I do for my course, the thing that I put out, um, put out is uh, 90% of the world's millionaires made their money or their wealth in real estate. And that's, if you Google it, look at how much, what percentage of the world's millionaires made their money in real estate, it'll, it'll, you can see it, it says 90%, which is an absurd number because real estate really is in my opinion, the best method for people to engage in if they, if they want, you know, the average person wants to create, um, you know, wealth that will allow them to be a hundred percent, you know, control of their own time. Yes. And interestingly enough on that subject, I remember reading, have you ever read Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography, but he made his first million through property before the movies and anything else. He invested the money that he got from his bodybuilding competitions and from working the crazy numbers of jobs, um, you know, with Franco Colombo building walls and all sorts of stuff. He invested that in, in property in, in, in and around LA and oh, man, um, sure. he made his first million dollars through property, which is not a lot of people know unless you've read that book. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I, there's a lot of stories out there like that where people, you know, they're successful now, but you look at their past and they, they got started in real estate and it's just, it is a solid method. If you're, if your goal is to create some type of financial freedom for yourself, in my opinion, it's the best way to do it. Um, it's, you have control over it. The returns are, you can't beat them anywhere else unless you're Steve jobs and you, you're a genius at tech <laughs> yeah. or something like that. But, uh, real estate, real estate's a great way to go. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of people get nervous because they say, "Oh no, the you know house housing markets go up and down, up and down." But if you look at it over the long term, houses have only ever gone up, right? You yeah. know, a house now is worth considerably more than it was twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty, fifty, sixty, right? So, you know, I remember when I was a kid, my parents bought their first house for like nine thousand pounds. Can you imagine buying? <laughs> can you imagine buying a house yeah. for nine thousand dollars or something? It's crazy. It's awesome. My dad, the first property, the first house he bought, he said he bought it for 25,000, which I think is around, you know, not, or probably 12,000 pounds or something yeah, like that. It was around then. And so it's nuts. It's crazy. You can't imagine, can't imagine that now. So what does, um, 
what does it what does an what does an average day kind of look like particularly like how do you start and end your days uh so i get up um five five thirty uh i i do the you know the the standard morning routine do the meditation and the journaling and then i work out and then i get a coffee and i just kind of hang out until um probably around eight or eight or eight thirty and then i get my first big thing. I always have one thing that I really want to accomplish that day. Um, so I get that done before our team meeting at 10 and then from 10 until probably around two is all, you know, heavy real estate stuff. Mm -hmm. And then from two to, you know, bedtime is just, um, relationships, people, family. Nice. That's a, that sounds like a very good structure for a day. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I, I like it. A lot of people <laughs> jealous, I think <laughs> hear that. Um, if you, if you could, this is a bit of a left field question, but if you could recommend um, a book to somebody, whether it be property or, or a, bo a book that's made a big impression on your life, if you could recommend one book, what would that book be? Uh, so I'm going to plug myself here. Go to the Real Estate Investing Club and <laughs> check out the book. Uh, I wrote a mini ebook there, um, but that's not the book that I would recommend. I'm just, I'm just plugging it. Um, the one book that I would recommend is... Um, shoot i can't remember it's by seneca it's called um on the the shortness of life or something like that yeah um anything by seneca really and or meditations by marcus aurelius is is mm -hmm. another great one but either of those i love the stoics i love their their viewpoint and uh good reading i've got the meditations by marcus aurelius on the shelf i think it was a tim ferris recommendation that oh nice <laughs> Tim Ferriss cost me a lot of money in books. He's recommended <laughs> quite a lot over the years. Uh, any any final kind of tips or advice you could give somebody uh, who's considering starting in real estate but a bit unsure? Yeah, I mean, just it really does come down to just get started. You have to. I mean, if any when anything that you do, you have to get momentum. You have to get some kind of some kind of yeah momentum energy behind you for you to really start seeing results and so just get a little bit of education enough to get you know to get started enough where you have a little bit of a direction and then take action every single day until you start seeing results um, once you get those results i mean it's, it's game over you don't have to worry about anything else it'll start coming on its own so just just get started nice you could apply that message to pretty much everything in life i suggest yeah, for sure <laughs> it's always good it's the getting started bit that i think we we a lot of us kind of struggle with you know particularly when it's something new and it's a bit daunting and it's it's hard to make that first step you know for the rest of our lives school and jobs and those kind of things they kind of take that bit away they're doing you know getting started because you're just kind of told what to do and, and it's you're just following but when you suddenly step out on your own i think that's the the bit that is the scary part and then you break through that and and suddenly life's not so scary exactly yeah it's just it's all bullshit in your mind when you when before you are started you're you have all these ideas about like what could go wrong and you're trying to think of it all in one giant picture of i need to do all these things but that's not i mean that's not how it works out you just you take one step and then you take the next step and the next one and over over the course of a few years you'll you'll get where you where you need to go but you just gotta take that first step it's interesting, isn't it? We are, in our minds, we tend to uh, focus on all the things that could go wrong more exactly. than we focus on the things that could go right. You just got to shut that stuff up. Just yeah. <laughs> don't even listen. So remind everybody where they can uh, track you down, Gabe. 
Yeah. Um, best place is the website. It's the real estate investing club.com. Um, we, everything's there. You can check out the podcast, check out the book, check out the course, the coaching program, anything like that. Um, the real estate investing club.com. Lovely. I really appreciate you giving up your time to come and talk about this today. And I think, you know, it's, there's more people getting interested in the world of real estate now, but there's so much noise and there's so much information. It's kind of, trying to find some way, the way to start and, and and i think you know like you say you've got your you've got the book and you've got the course and for anyone listening now who's interested in in taking that step then there's a good path to follow absolutely yeah we'd love to have you awesome thank you again very thank you very much again for giving up your time and um hopefully we'll speak again soon thanks david no i had a blast thanks for having me on lovely cheers gabe Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It will really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.